Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Zach Slovin has been through a wild journey of wins and losses. He has been willing to challenge the norm and has never settled for becoming someone that people thought he should be. And by finding the lesson in all of his life experiences, Zach has become a phenomenal speaker, trainer, author, and coach. Zach shares so many personal experiences from breaking off his engagement and becoming unemployable to becoming a successful entrepreneur and living his dreams. He teaches the importance of contrast in life and finding the gift or payoff in every experience. There's so much to be gained from this inspiration-packed conversation. Whether you're going through transformation, looking for your soulmate, or simply interested in finding greater purpose and clarity in your life, you will love hearing what Zach has to say. The definition that I've always loved for wisdom is knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Hmm. And I have had a lot of life experience in a very short period of time. I'll be 35 in February, and in that time, I've just lived a lot of life. I've experienced multiple divorces in my family. I've had a number of people close to me pass away. I've had the trials and tribulations of being an entrepreneur. I've, I've swim. I've sunk. I've, I've flowed, and I've burned, you know, and so I've had a lot of experiences, and I've learned a lot along the way, and with that, I've always also been a seeker. I've been seeking and asking questions since I was like nine years old, 10 years old. And so I just think that when you ask how I become this pool, I don't know that I'm a pool of anything or that I have access to anything different than anybody else. I've just been willing to ask uncomfortable questions of myself and of the world for a very, very long time. And I think that's allowed me to kind of have a different lens on the microscope through which I view my world. Well, and you are, you know, a very inspiring speaker and a teacher. You're also a coach. So what's having that experience or having those life experiences, what made you decide to lead the path that you're on now? And maybe just for the listeners that don't no, tell us a little bit about what your current path is. Sure. So I don't know. I feel like I've been led to this path more than I've um, led this path, if, this, if that makes any sense whatsoever. I kind of look back on my life and kind of all the things that I've experienced, and it's just been a very clear of course, this is what I'm doing with my life. You know, and most people that know me and knew me and have seen me kind of through some of the peaks and valleys, if you will, they kind of say things along the lines, well, of course, this is what you're doing for a living now. Of course, this is how you're living your life now. It all kind of adds up, doesn't it? And I think it does. I think that a lot of what brought me to where I am today was that I was always willing to challenge the norm and I was never willing to settle for what people thought I should be or who I thought I should be. And that's a big part of why I do what I do is that I'm really clear that the rules that society abides by are rules that are really all just make believe. I think that the, I think life is a game and I think that we are the judge, the jury and the prosecution in our own lives. And so whatever kind of freedom we want to grant ourselves is entirely up to us. And I think that I've come to that perspective just by living life both ways. You know, I, I grew up and grew up in a really good family. Uh, so, you know, a, a divorced family, but a good family nonetheless. And I was, a, I was an aspiring athlete growing up and I hurt my back in college. And when I hurt my back, I really didn't know who I was or what I was supposed to do with my life. And at the same time, I was studying philosophy. So I was being introduced to things like metaphysics and existentialism and all these big questions about who are we and why do we exist and all that good stuff. 
And so my mind just started to open up a little bit to the world of what we know as transformation. At the time, I didn't know what it was. I was just trying to pass my college courses, you know, and I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting. But when I graduated college, I kind of succumbed to the normal societal pressures and expectations of my parents. They said, you've got to get a good job, and you've got to have a salary, and you've got to have something safe. And so I tried that for a little while. I worked in the world of professional sports for a little bit. I was in sales and things like that. And I only lasted like seven months, which is the longest I've ever actually held a job. I'm probably the worst employee in the history of employment. Oh, no. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, just psychologically un, I'm just psychologically unemployable. You know, I just don't like told what to do. <laughs> and, um, and so I left that and I entered the world of entrepreneurship and that journey and it was, it certainly has been a journey. Um, it just led me to a lot of different experiences. I, I risked a lot. I lost a lot, although I don't, I mean, I, I, I struggle with language like loss because I really gained so much mm-hmm. from those experiences, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I've, I've spent times, uh, having great success. I've had times where I was in such a deep depression that all I would do to cope was smoke a ton of weed and, by Thursday night, by Thursday night, by the time I got off doing whatever I was doing, um, my friends and I would have had a, would have a baggie of cocaine, and that was what we did for the weekend, you know, because that's mm-hmm. what I used to cope. Mm-hmm. And I share that completely and transparently. I have no problem admitting, like, I'm, you know, I, I inhaled, and I inhaled quite a bit. And I have no shame and no regret about it whatsoever. I just don't, you know? Yeah. But I very quickly realized that that wasn't the life I wanted to live, live either. And I was really blessed to have some mentors who saw something in me at a time in my life where I saw very little in myself. Mm-hmm. And they took me under their wings and they brought me into the world of real estate investing and the world of direct sales. And they really taught me a lot and they really started to empower me to own who I am in, the, in, a, in a way that I'd never been empowered to do before. And, a lot, and, and, and during that time, they really also introduced me to the world of personal development and learning about things like the law of attraction and how to control our thoughts and how to deal with energy and things like that. And it really made a profound impact on the way I viewed the world. Because for so long, I was a cynic and a skeptic. And for so long, I thought it was woo-woo stuff. And for so long... I thought all those people were kind of whack jobs, you know, but what I noticed was I was willing to take a step back and go, wait a minute, these people all have the results that I want in my life. So clearly what they're doing is working. What I'm doing is not working. What's the worst that could happen? Let me dive first. Let me dive into this stuff and see if it resonates with me. And sure enough, it did. And it was a, and this is kind of a roundabout way to answer your question, Rosie. I was standing on stage one day giving a testimonial at a real estate investment kind of seminar thing. And I was 25 years old, and I was just talking about this the other day. I was 25 years old, so almost nine, almost 10 years ago. And I remember looking out in the audience, and as I'm giving my testimonial, I literally experienced the hearing of a voice that said, this is where you're supposed to be. You get to be in front of people. You get to be transforming lives. You get to be speaking and coaching. And, as, and this is literally like some sort of supernatural, call it whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, a very clear communication while in front of like 250 people on stage. So I'm literally like, what, really, like right now, what? <laughs> You're like, this is um, the moment. This is it. Pretty much. So I wasn't like meditating on, a, on the top of a mountain in Nepal and I wasn't like <laughs> doing, you know, I wasn't like opening my chakras or anything like that. I was just giving a testimonial on stage and sure enough, the loud voice of, you know, if it's for, for some people, it's God, the universe, source, you know, whatever it is for whoever's listening, that's what spoke to me. And I realized very quickly in that moment that I had a calling on my life, you know, and in many ways and to this day, uh, it terrified me. Mm. It terrified me because it's a big ask, but I just trusted it. And with that came the decision to pursue it, you know, to pursue speaking and training and coaching. And that pursuit led me to going through about $80,000 in cash. Um, I blew through about $80,000 in a six-month period, and two weeks after the Save the Date cards went out um, to, to my wedding at the time, I walked in to my fiancé, and I said, I'm not the right guy for you, and if you need to go, you should go, and she went. And uh, at 27 years old, I was living on my mom's couch, having nothing but an experience of shame and guilt and depression and suicidal thoughts because what I thought was my world had just come crashing down. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Wow. But yeah, so that was, um, yeah, that was six and a half years ago now. And little by little though, 
just with little tiny action steps every single day, I would just ask the question, you know, what's the gift in this? What's the lesson here? Clearly I'm experiencing this for some reason, you know, clearly I'm experiencing this for some reason. What's the gift? What's the lesson? And it took me years and years to realize what it was, but, and I'll, I'll circle back to that if I remember to, but I just started to put my life back together, you know, one day at a time, one foot in front of the other, little tiny action steps, just trusting that everything was working as it was supposed to be working. And a couple of years after that, I met Eden, my now wife, and uh, we have an, we have two extremely successful businesses together. You know, one's in the health and wellness space in the network marketing field, which has just been an amazing gift and amazing vehicle for us. And then my, um, my coaching and speaking and training that we were kind of talking about. So that's kind of the Cliff Notes version. There's a lot of stuff that I got to experience during those different events, but that's kind of the the Cliff's Cliff Notes version. I mean, that's like, key. I mean, there's so much we can go into in everything you just said, because there's so many pivotal moments in everything that happened from that moment on stage to, you know, calling off a wedding. I mean, that's a big deal. How, what kind of questions were you asking yourself during that process? Like, what were the pivotal moments that made you realize, okay, this is not the right thing for me, or this is the right thing for me? You mean in terms of the, in terms of knowing I was with the wrong person? Yeah, knowing that you were with the wrong person or knowing that you were on the right path. Oh, I, good question. So, for, so in terms of knowing I was with the wrong person, our intuition is always right. And most of us do a really good job of denying our intuition mm-hmm. because intuition typically leads us down a road that looks like it's going to be difficult. And what I've learned is that intuition will always lead us down a road that though at the forefront, our ego says it's going to be difficult. It's really the, the path of least resistance, believe mm-hmm. it or not, because that's where we're supposed to be headed. And I knew that she was the wrong woman for me probably about a year into our four-year relationship. But I grew comfortable and I grew stagnant and I, I swept a lot of the red flags underneath the, the rug, which so many people do. And I just came into a new awareness of who I am as a person or as, as I was growing. And I just, it was very clear to me that I was entrepreneurial and I was a very... I was a deep seeker and I had a big passion to want to do things a lot differently than most people. And I also knew that she wasn't, she comes from a blue collar family, good, good people, nothing wrong with them. Right. She came from a blue collar family family. She wanted security. She was accustomed to living paycheck to paycheck. She wanted to have benefits and all those things. Mm -hmm. And she used to kind of, she would rag me a little bit and say things after, you know, certain ventures would fail and things like that. She'd say things like you need to get a job. This isn't, you know, this isn't the way that we're supposed to live. Like, you got to get out of fantasy land. My parents were right about you. You know, you're just a big dreamer. And so I just started to look at those things. I'll never forget. One day, I I literally said to her, I said, I'd rather die than live a life that you or anyone else thinks I should live. Mm. And so it was the combination of two things. It was finally surrendering to my intuition and knowing that I was, that she wasn't right for me, but also also having the awareness and honoring her to know that I also wasn't right for her and that it wasn't fair of me to keep her. It was selfish. It was selfish of me to keep her. And so I, I, I let her go. In talking of self-transformation, so I believe that self-transformation requires valuing more light rather than crying over the darkness and just uh-huh. in, in your rhetoric and speaking to you and knowing you, I feel that you feel the same way <laughs> that I do in, in regard to that. So what is the difference between transformation and self-improvement? That's a great question. Transformation is cellular. Okay. Transformation is cellular. And transformation is something that there is... There is, there is no going back, right? When you make a, when your cells literally transform and breed new cells, your body will never be the same as it was once before. And so transformation at the spiritual level, in my opinion, works the exact same way. Now, self-improvement is the, is, I'd say the gateway to transformation, but transformation is experiential. Transformation is a knowing. Transformation is a deep, seated certainty. Transformation is that clarity that you referred to earlier. 
with me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's no, to, to me, when, they're, when, when somebody's experienced true transformation, there's no discussing it. There's no debating it. It's unwavering in its, in its faith. And there's a complete trust and a complete serenity in knowing who I am and where I'm going as opposed to kind of making these little kind of improvements. Maybe I go to a seminar, but then my habits are still the same as they were a week before. Or I go to a couple of seminars, I read a couple of books, I listen to some great podcasts, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, I'm still, sa- I'm still sabotaging, you know, I'm still sabotaging uh, in a variety of ways, or I still beat myself up every single day. So I also think that the difference between self-improvement and transformation is self-improvement feels like something that people kind of just do, which is great, but transformation is a decision that's made. As opposed to self-improvement that potentially is temporary. Self-improvement to me, and it's great, again, like I, I, and I think maybe, you know, I think if we're talking, I think some people might listen to this go, well, we're just talking about semantics, and I don't know that we right. are, right? But self-impro- self-improvement is, the idea of improving mm-hmm. transformation is radically changing. Oh yeah. It's looking, it's like before and after, right? If I like, like one of the, like one of our businesses is in the health and wellness space. So like my friend, Stephanie Navasu, right? My friend, Stephanie, mm-hmm. who has released, she, you know, she released 106 pounds and 155 inches with us in like a um, 11 month period of time. So if I look at her when she weighed over 200 pounds on the left and now I look at her, you know, 106 pounds later on the right, that's transformation. That's transformation. Now, if she, if we took a picture of her the day after she first started, right. Mm-hmm. And she reported mm-hmm. back that hey, the picture on my left and my picture on the right, they look exactly the same. But day two, you know, I ate completely healthy. I followed our system um, and I made good choices. That's just, imp- that's improvement. But the transformation is the overall kind of body of work, if you will. Yeah. I was a pack and a half a day smoker for like five years, pack and a half a day for five years. And a couple of times I tried to quit, right? Mm-hmm. I tried to quit and I tried all the different quitting techniques. I tried the patch. I tried smoking a thousand cigarettes. Literally I, I smoked a carton of cigarettes over the course of a weekend and I tried to quit. And for both of those different times that I tried, I quit for about nine months. I quit for about nine months. That's an improvement. That's an improvement, right? Nine mm-hmm. months of no smoking is an improvement over smoking. Right. However, it, it wasn't until I made the decision that cigarettes no longer served me and that I was more interested in breathing clean air and feeling healthy and treating my body well that I actually let go of the idea of cigarettes. No tricks, no techniques. I just made the decision to let go of something that no longer served me because I was more interested in something that did serve me. And that was... I don't know how many years ago. And now I don't, the idea of me even being a smoker is just crazy to me. <laughs> that's transformation. That's the difference. And how did, how did you manage it? Like how, how long did it take you to quit? Were you like, oh, you'd quit and you'd go back or it was like cold turkey? No, I, so in the, in the two times that it was like a, in the two times where I lasted about, it, about nine months, is uh-huh. that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So there was, I did the exact same thing both times. I, I, I bought a carton of cigarettes on a Saturday and I smoked every single cigarette in the carton until by the time Sunday night came around. So the idea being, I would be so disgusted by smoking so many cigarettes in such a short period of time that I'd never want to smoke. (laughs) That didn't work out so well. (laughs) How, 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 (laughs) how important is it to have the support of your, your peers or your family or your friends or the people that you surround yourself with. I ask because just going back to what you said about your ex and not being supportive about the changes you wanted to make or the career path you wanted to take, how important is it to have the support of the people around you? I think that, you know, we've, we've heard the, we've heard that you're the sum of the five people that you spend the most amount of time with. And I think there's a lot to be said about, who we surround ourselves with as individuals. But if you're listening and this is a period of transformation, if you're, you're ready for a radical transformation in your life and you're really looking to change things, having people that support you is a luxury. Mm. It's not a necessity. It's a luxury. It's a benefit. It's really nice. It's really nice that people are cheering you on and they're uplifting you and they're supporting you and all that. That's a really nice thing. But ultimately 
ultimately, whether you have a people of whether you have a group of people that are non-supportive, if you, or you have a people of group, or you have a group of people that are supportive, ultimately, our life is our choice. Our life is our choice. I'll go back to the food example, right? For someone yeah. that's trying to, you know, get healthy physically. Yeah. The food example. So I can be surrounded by this amazing group of people who are telling me I can do it. I can get healthy. I can lose weight. I can feel good all the time. I can do it. Blah 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 blah. Right. But no matter how positive they are, no matter how optimistic they are, no matter how much they hold me accountable, ultimately, unless they are tying me down to a chair and force feeding me what I'm supposed to eat, what goes in my mouth is my choice. I'm in complete control of it. And it's the same thing with our minds. It's the same thing with our energy. Ultimately, no matter how great a support system I have, that's really just a luxury. So I want a great support system. But what I've found is oftentimes we'll attract a better support system. We'll attract more like-minded people. The more, will it, we're willing, we're, the more that we're willing to realize that everything outside of us is irrelevant to what we create inside of us. It's just irrelevant. It's just a luxury. It's nice. It helps, you know, but ultimately we're the driver of the vehicle. Yeah. And that goes the same for people with the same type of thought pattern, correct? Anything. I think it applies to anything. Again, and it, 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 you got it. Yeah, maybe you have to work. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you live in a city where it's low income and you don't have access to a ton of resources and the people that you surround yourself with are committed to a life of, you know, being destitute and poor and whatever, and that's their mindset, you might get to work a little bit harder than someone that's not in that environment. And, and it's really up to you because there's so many examples of people that are born into wealth, for example, born into a cush, 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 cush life who end up as crackheads and in jail. Yeah. Right. So our environments have an, our environments to a degree absolutely have an, an effect on us. But you look at Les Brown, right? Les Brown, who was born, you know, on his mother's floor while she was cleaning homes. He, he would go, I don't know if you know his story, but he would go to, he'd go to this mansion that his mom used to um, clean. And the father of that home, the, the man of that house, gave his son some books and tapes that were all personal development based. Mm-hmm. And the son just threw them out, didn't want them. And Les said, I'll read them. Now, Les was labeled as mentally retarded and as illiterate. But he just kept feeding his mind and feeding his mind and feeding his mind and feeding his mind. Now, Les is one of the greatest motivational speakers of our time. So I think environment's nice. I do. But again, ultimately, our life is our choice. Our thoughts are our choice. Our responses are our choice. Our reactions are our choice. And how we perceive the world, the lens that we look through it, the lens through which we look at things, I think it's completely up to us. I think this is such a a great topic and I think it's a great segue to talk about honesty and the question about being honest with ourselves or being able to feel like we're authentic or true to, to who we really are, you know, do you think that there is in general a lack of honest self appraisal? Oh, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I think that people are terrified of looking in the mirror. Mm. And I think that I think that people are terrified of looking in the mirror. And I think people are, t- are, are, are masters of avoidance. I think people are masters of avoidance. And I think we avoid with a number of things we avoid with. We avoid with drugs. We avoid with relationships. We avoid with video games. We avoid with, we avoid with so many things because we're so scared to look at how we've chosen to show up in our lives. And I talk about this a lot. I talk about the first step of transformation is being willing to acknowledge the ways in which you've contributed to the results in your life as they are today. The first step in transformation is being willing to acknowledge the ways in which you've contributed to your results as they are today. Mm. But there's so much freedom in it. And so that's the thing I wish people would get is that for as painful as it can be, as scary as it can be, right? It's very, if you're willing to, you can take a look at it and go, wait a minute. If I created this person who's showing up in a way that I'm not happy with, then that also means it, it logically follows that I can then create the person who I am in love with, who I do want to be around all the time, who I am excited to step out into the world as. If I can create one thing, I can create another. It's difficult for people to look in the mirror, like you said, 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's hard for them to look at the totality of decisions they've made in their lives to bring them to where they are in, in this moment, equating unhappiness. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. how does somebody in that spot that that they are in fear of of looking at their own decision making, and it, they want to change, but they're having a hard time reconciling the decisions that they've made to get them to where they are. Does that make sense? Mm, okay. Yeah, I got okay. it. Okay. Got it. So the first thing is this, is being willing to give yourself grace. I think grace is such a misunderstood and so very, very, very um, nominally used uh, skill, quite mm-hmm. frankly. I think that it's important to have to be ruthlessly, ruthlessly honest, but with compassion. And I think that's with ourselves and with other people, quite frankly. Right. So I got to be ruthlessly, ruthlessly honest with myself with compassion. I've got to be willing to be ruthlessly honest Mm. with compassion. And so what does compassion look like? Compassion looks like, okay, so I've been a bad dad. I've been a bad mom. I've been a bad sister. I've been a bad lover. I've, I've done this. I've done that. I've done this. I've done that. And, and, and those choices don't have to define me. Those choices don't have to define me because the only meaning that life has is the meaning that I give it. And the only meaning that those experiences have are the meaning that I give them. And so what's another possible meaning that I could give? Maybe, maybe, maybe I called off a wedding and took a ring off of a girl's, you know, you know, let me switch this. Actually, here's a personal experience. This is so perfect. So, when I, when, when I said to her, if you've got to go, then you should go, and she left, I was dumbfounded. I really kind of was using it more of a, as a manipulation. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. I, I didn't really think she was going to go anywhere. And she walked out. She literally packed her bag, gone. Boom. The next day, my house is in boxes, and my brother and my daughter helped me move into my mom's house. Two and a half years later, two and a half years later, my best friend at the time and my business partner at the time went on a meth binge. He went on a meth binge. He abused his wife, and he was sleeping with our secretary, who he impregnated. And the police were after him, and I helped turn him in. And I went to the court with him the next day. Just to, I bailed him out. I, I went to the court with him the next day so he could have his fair, fair, you know, fair experience. Mm-hmm. And I looked him in the eye, and I said, I love you, and it's not safe for me to be around you anymore, and I get to leave. And as I was leaving Utah, I was living in Utah at the time. As I was leaving Utah, I was driving away. And I picked up the phone, Rosie, and I called my ex and I said, thank you so much for leaving that day. Thank you so much for teaching me what it means to, to remove yourself from a place that you don't deserve to be in. Thank you so much for modeling, modeling what it looks like to have the courage to remove yourself from a situation. Thank you for that. And it was one of the most humbling, powerful incredible experiences in my life that I will always remember. Now on the other side of the phone, she thought I was an absolute lunatic. She was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you don't worry. It has nothing to do with you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but I was able to look back and say, God, okay. So clearly, clearly, clearly this event was designed so that I could have this experience today. So I'm a really big believer that we are, are, that we, that the people that come into our lives and the experiences that we create, are really just here to teach us massive, massive lessons, massive lessons. But we've got to be open to finding what the lessons are. So a great question I like to ask my coaching clients is what else is possible? What else is possible? What might be the gift in this? What might be the lesson in that experience? What might you have learned from it? What else is possible? And you'll, and, and then they'll start to open what's well, possible that I was learning compassion. It's possible that I was learning, um, it was possible that I was learning contrast. Now, this is a big one. See, oftentimes we want to experience, we want to experience joy and happiness and love. That's all we really want, right? Right. But 
how, how can we know what love and joy and passion and purpose and all those things are if we haven't had the contrasting experience of depression, fear, frustration, anxiety, sadness, guilt, whatever it is? Yeah. We wouldn't know it if we didn't know anything different. And so I just want to invite people to start asking the questions of like, what else is possible? Yeah. What might have been made available to me in that moment, in that experience? Does that answer your question? <laughs> does it does it answer my yes in in a no, very I wanna, I, I, no it totally does in in a, in a very beautiful experiential articulate way yes thank you I I yes okay, cool it does and just to kind of you know add to that a question of what if people are addicted to that cycle Zach. Like, what, what about those people? Do you know the kind of people I'm talking about? The ones that, like, they just want to be stuck in the suffering of, like, oh, but now I'm sure. sad, or, oh, this is happening again, uh-huh. and, oh, she broke up with me, and it's the same sure. path. You know what I'm, do you know what I'm saying? It's the suffering of, like, oh, well, yeah. now I have no faith that I'll ever find anyone. I'm going to be alone forever, and I'm just going to be sad. Right. right. So, so the question I like to ask people is, what's the payoff? What's the payoff? Everything that we do, every cause has an effect. And we're aware of that consciously and unconsciously. We're aware. We know that every cause has an effect. So what's the payoff? What's the payoff that you're getting from getting into relationships with men, for example, who are abusive or who cheat on you or don't give you the attention that you're looking for? What's the payoff? Now, most people at first glance are going to say something along the lines of like, well, nothing. I don't get anything out of this. But of course you do. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't keep repeating it over and over and over again. So now we've got to explore what's the payoff. And oftentimes what I found, Rosie, is that the payoff, and I did this once. I I, I used to do this, right, in some ways. The payoff, typically speaking, is we're trying to find evidence that we are not worthy or that we are not lovable. Mm. That's the payoff. The payoff is so our ego can be right. I told you. I told you you're not worthy. See, when your daddy called you fat when you were six years old and you made it mean that you're not lovable, I knew he was right. So we seek payoffs. So part of me, when I blew through all that money and I called off the wedding, is I was really interested in knowing, am I lovable? Am I lovable if I don't have any money and if I don't have any social status? Am I still lovable? That's how committed I was to to the payoff of finding out if I was lovable is I literally sabotaged and bankrupted my entire life. That now that you're at that end, do you think, I mean, there, you really can't, I mean, but if, if you did it all over again, would you do it? Same way. I wouldn't even hesitate. I do it all again. <sighs> Same way. Same way. It's like Steve Jobs says, right? Steve Jobs says we can only connect the dots looking back. Yeah, that's true. I would do it all again. I would do it all again. Because, you, you know, one of the first questions you asked me earlier was, how did I get to where I am? Yeah. Because of all those choices. And what a miracle. You know, yeah. there are a lot of people that if they had to, there are a lot of people who if they were betting on my life and the way it was going to turn out six or seven years ago, which isn't that long in the grand scheme of things, they would not have put their money on me being where I am today. That's for sure. You know, yeah. if you had to place bets on me when I was living on my mom's couch and I was scraping for change so I could buy cigarettes because it was easier to, you know, it was cheaper to buy cigarettes than it was to buy food. And it would keep my appetite suppressed longer. And if, 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 if they were to place a bet and say, OK, you have two bets in seven years, Zach is either going to be he's going to be 34, financially free, married to his soulmate, living on purpose, writing books, speaking in front of you know thousands of people, living his dreams. Right. Or yeah. he's going to be. He's going to be working a dead-end job, probably messing around with drugs still, gambling, drinking, smoking, the whole deal. Which bet would you take? Most people would take the latter. They'd bet on me being, you know, just a, just a waste of potential. Yeah. So absolutely I would do it again in a heartbeat. And it's also, I think one of the best definitions of insanity I've ever heard. We, we know the Albert Einstein, right? Right. right. The definition yes. of insanity is, is doing the same doing thing same over and over and expecting different results. Right. Right. But I love, there's a different one that I love, which is insanity is not accepting reality. So it's insane for me to even consider having done anything else because 
it's just not reality. Reality is that my life has been a series of choices that I've made. Yeah. Why even, why even consider it? And I think that's where we get into anxiety and we get into suffering as we start to look back on our past and we go, I should have done this. I should have done that. Well, what if I do this? And what if I do that? And that's where, you know, so many people talk about, there's been this whole movement over the last couple of years about being present and being present and being present. And a lot of people ask me, Zach, how can I be present? Stop thinking about what was and stop thinking about what you think things might be. Mm-hmm. And just love what is. What a great segue for us to talk about relationships, because I think what you just said now is so key in, in, in being in a relationship or having relationships in our lives, romantic or just in general, you know, with, with our, our tribe. I've not met your absolutely stunning wife, Eden, yet, but I hope that I I hope that I will in the near future. She's absolutely gorgeous, uh, and I she's amazing, and she does incredible work herself. So hopefully, we can have her as a guest on here as well. Um, how did? Uh, she'd love that. I would love to have her. Um, how did you guys meet? We met online, believe it or not. We met online, and we met online. And I'll just—it's so contextual. It's so perfect. <laughs> so. You were asking about what are some of the questions that we can ask ourselves in challenging times? Yes. And what are some of the things we can affirm? Well, in August of 2012, excuse me, in July of 2012, I got very clear that I was ready to find a partner. I was very clear that I wanted to settle down and and find who I'd been looking for. Very clear. And I got really intentional about it. I, I, I literally wrote down the qualities that I was looking for and that I, and I set a date to meet this woman on or before December 31st, 2012. Now, in August of 2012, my mom was hospitalized with a very rare bacteria that swelled her throat shut. And she was in the ICU for 17 days and we thought she was going to die. And while she was in there, I just kept asking the question, what's the gift in this? Something incredible must be right around the corner for me to be experiencing yet another challenge. Mm. What is waiting for me? Something incredible must be just around the corner. Something so incredible, something so massive that I can't even explain it must be right around the corner. What is the gift in this experience? If she's going to die, then there must be something so phenomenal. And even if she lives just for me to experience this, this pain and, the, and, and, and what I'm experiencing, watching my mom fight for her life, something, something, some gift must be right around the corner. And Rosie, on November 15th, Eden and I went out on our first date, and I walked to pick her up at her house because literally she lived right around the corner. Stop it. No joke. Around the corner from where you lived? Physically around the corner. Like, to get to her place, I had to walk out. I was living in a, in, a, in a condo complex. I had to walk out my front door. I had to make a left, and then I had to make a right around the corner, and she was just down the street on the left-hand side, around the corner. How do you think that we can change our language around dating? I, I work with a handful of single men and women that mm-hmm. are having a really challenging time with dating online. What kind of advice would you give to people out there who, let me, let me reframe this because I'll give you an example. How about that? Let's work off an example. I have a client that is, uh, she's ready to find her soulmate. She's ready to find her soulmate and she's, I I would say in air quotes, done all the work, right? All the self-inquiry and, you know, learning about her own patterns and, you know, what her role has been in the relationships that haven't worked out, okay? So now she's trying to find her, her partner. And at the beginning, it was a matter of, semantics on her profile. Okay. So Uh she kept going out on these dates and they just, 
it was either a one night stand or they wouldn't work out or she kept settling. So, and, and not happy, right? So then she, she changed the language on her profile and found that she was attracting a different caliber of, of man that was more along, you know, the lines of, of what she was looking for. So who, let me see, how could she better her odds at Uh. finding someone who is in alignment with her? Okay, cool. So I, I love this question. Um, and I'm a big, I'm big on languaging and you know that. I know that. Yeah, I do. And I think, I think language is a confirmation of our beliefs. So even going back to language, she might be, she might be writing those things. She might be saying those things, but does she truly feel and believe those things is the first question I would ask. Mm. That's a really, like, you know, there's gotta be, there's gotta be an energy behind the language. There's gotta be an energy behind what you're putting on paper and what you're putting and what you're putting to the world. There's gotta be the, 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 because what we feel and what we think are two totally separate things, right? So she might have the, she might have a feeling of, she might have the thought, right? Mm-hmm. A, a rational thought that says, I'm seeking a compassionate man, right? Yeah. But she might have an internal wound that says, I don't deserve a compassionate man. Mm. And so if her thoughts and her feelings aren't in alignment, she's going to attract the thought, not the feeling. Now, the compassionate man is waiting for her. There's a great book by um, Esther and Abraham called the art uh, called. Um, oh gosh, it's a. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll text it to you and you can put it in the show notes. Okay. It's on my desk. I've read it like three times. I don't know why I'm um, spacing right now, but it talks about how whatever we want goes into an escrow account, basically. Okay. Okay. Whatever our desires are, they go into an escrow account. So our feelings are, a ro- it's a rocket of desire, right? So like we shoot off this rocket of desire to have a compassionate man or a compassionate woman or whatever it is, right? But if our thoughts don't align with those feelings, those things just sit in the escrow bank. It takes the alignment of the two to come together to open the vault so that we can close the deal. Those things have to come together. So that'd be my first question. Is, is she really in alignment with those things? Then the other question I would ask is this. And this goes for so many people. See, a lot of us put together, a lot of people, especially, especially, I, I, I don't mean to categorize, but I have to here in, in, the, in the dating world, a lot of women put together their list. Yeah. Right? Like, here's my list. <laughs> Guy's got to, you know, check, 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 check. And that's fantastic. <laughs> that's great. You know, have your, have your list. It's, it's fine. But what I would ask and challenge is this. For all the things that you're writing down on your list, are you showing up 100% congruently in your own life with the things that you say you want out of a person? That would be my big challenge to people is, let me ask you this, is where are you out of integrity with the things that you say you want in another person? Are there areas in your life where you're saying you want compassion, you say you want integrity, you say you want honesty, you say you want someone that takes care of their body, you say you want someone that's a great listener, but are there areas in your life where you are not taking care of your body, you are not having compassion, you are not in integrity, you are not, you are not being a good listener? And if you are showing up in a way that's incongruent with the things that you're asking for, it is highly unlikely that you're going to attract the person that has those things because we always get a reflection of how we show up. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. What do you think the difference is between, and is there a difference? I don't know, between settling and compromise. I don't believe in either. <laughs> I love that. Please tell us more. I don't believe in settling, and I don't believe in sacrifice, and I don't believe in compromise. Tell us why. What? Tell because me. They, because they lead to resentment. They lead to resentment and they lead to disappointment and they're completely based on fear. If I settle for something, if I sacrifice, just think about the term, just think about the word sacrifice. Yeah. I have to give something up in order to have something else. And that to me is not abundant. So I just don't believe in them. 
I don't think I, I, I just don't. I just I, I think that anytime you're settling, you're gonna be you're gonna have you're gonna be disappointed. And anytime you sacrifice, it will always lead to to, to resentment. Always. Oh. In fact, on my on my on my on my website, like I, I there's a couple of you know, a bunch of complimentary videos, and one of them I literally talk about how to never settle. And I think that this I think that settling, quite frankly, is one of the things that keeps us out of feeling in control of our lives. So I'm non-negotiable. I won't settle. I won't settle with where I live. I won't settle with who I surround myself with. I won't settle for what is on the, for what I'm willing to put into my body. I won't settle for what is, what is said to me. I just, I, I'm unwilling. And I believe in a world of both. So when it comes to compromise, it's great. How can you have this and I can have this? What's really true for both of us? Yeah. How can we come into alignment? But anytime I'm compromising, anytime I'm sacrificing, anytime I'm settling, I'm coming from a space of fear because I'm worried that you are going to judge me or not approve of me or I'm going to disappoint you or I'm going to feel guilty. And that is not a life that I'm anywhere close to interested in living anymore. You know that that's, that reminds me, I, I had this thing I had to write for this proposal and they wanted me to write about failure and I I couldn't, I didn't do it because, I mean, I, I reframed it because I have such a hard time with that word, Zach. Like I don't even allow it into my vernacular because I don't believe, I don't believe, I literally don't believe in failure. Like there are just things that don't work out, but there's another way, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't believe that there is failure, you know? So trying to come to that resolve, I remember I had a really hard time with that. And I think that it's along those same lines, right? No, it's a hundred percent. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. hundred percent. This has been so insightful for me and I hope all of my listeners, you know, we covered a lot of different things and, you know, I'm sure you gave a lot of really pivotal questions for people listening that are inquiring about all of these different subjects. So where can they go to get more information on you and what you do and how, you know, maybe they can do a little bit more research? Um, right on. So, uh, and again, thank you for the opportunity and thank you for inviting me. I know you've had some really incredible guests on, on this thing. So it's just, it's an honor and I'm humbled to, um, to be able to be here with you and your audience. So thank you. Um, ZachSloban.com, so Zach with an H, because spelling it any other way makes no sense to me, but it's Zach with the H. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, sorry. No offense uh, to the Zachs with the Ks out there, but yes. No, none, none. But, you, but, you, but you, it's worth having a conversation with your parents and, and, and changing it. Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, so zacksloban.com and then, uh, that's my, that's my website. And then I do a lot on Facebook and Facebook live. I do quite often. So that's just facebook.com slash Zach Slobin and Slobin is S like Sam, L like Larry, O B like boy, I and like Nancy. Okay, great. And we'll attach all of those links on the show notes, um, including a recap of the things that we talked about. You know, one thing I wanted to talk to you as well, um, can we talk about your mom for a little bit and tell us about what kind of work she's doing out there? I just saw something and clicked on it, and I really want oh. you to share it with our audience. Can you tell us, please? Oh, that's so special of you. I'm gonna. She's gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna call her and tell her about that. She's gonna get so excited. <laughs> so, my mom is a. My mom's a very, very, very successful uh, psychotherapist in Los Angeles. She runs a huge practice, and she has for like 35 years. And about about actually when she came, really right after the, right a little bit before the time that she got sick that I'd referenced, she'd started painting just as an outlet for herself. And it just turned out that she was just a very good self-taught artist. Um, and she's just been painting for, for, for the last, I'd say maybe six or seven, maybe eight years now. Mm -hmm. And all of her friends and all of us were always like, mom, you should sell your paintings. You should sell your paintings. They're amazing. They're amazing. And she'd had friends that would offer to buy them. And she just like so many people just doubted how good it really was. You know, she just, 
everyone would give her this amazing praise and this amazing feedback, but we're always our own worst critic and our own worst enemy in so many ways. And she really struggled with it. And finally, 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 what you're referring to that you saw me post is she finally put up a website, which she's so excited about because she's not really techie. And she's like, I have a website, you know? Um, so it's just, it's CandiceSloban.com, um, C-A-N-D-I-C-E, Sloban.com. And, and it's amazing. Her work is really special. My wife and I have two of her um, pieces in our, in our home and are kind of commissioning her to make more and uh the, yeah but thank you for asking that's a really cool yeah thing. no I'm I gonna tell her she's like oh my yeah, god yeah no it's really I mean I really I I loved it and I I just I saw her picture and I'm like oh my god I love her look she looks so great and like classy and I this is really exciting and obviously I knew that she was your mom so I thought that it was amazing and I'd love for our listeners to go on her website and check out her art, you know, because it might speak uh, to somebody. And, you know, I think it's, it's great to spread the art world and to spread love and art and all of those things. So yeah, I'm really so excited. Much. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, I guess that's it. That's it. So obviously <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to edit it so that all the pauses and stuff are out, but Okay. In wrapping up, Zach, I can talk to you all day, uh, and I was actually really grateful to spend that entire weekend with you and with Chris Harder and Rob and and all and Brad and and Rob's wife. Like er- everyone was so great. So thank you for that. You know, I feel like you guys adopted me as part of your guys's tribe, and I I really enjoyed my time with all of you, and I'm really grateful. Um, one of the last things that I want to ask you before we wrap is, what do you radically love? I love the, I love the power of 